Welcome one, welcome all to a brand new edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I am your host, TLWD, and I want to thank you for joining us today. How's everybody doing? I hope well, hope well, hope everybody is doing well and safe out there. Hey, can I dad out for a minute, and can we talk a little bit about the show Bluey? I want to get all my parents around in a circle now. Uh, For those of you who have little ones, I want to know if you know about the show Bluey. It uh, airs on Disney. I believe it's on Disney Plus as well. Um, But my son watches it all the time. He's been watching it almost since, I guess, its debut or its advent on the Disney Channel. It started off as uh, an Australian cartoon in 2018, uh, then made its way to the Disney Channel. And it is a phenomenal breath of fresh air i i just i love this cartoon so much and and my son loves it and it's really great i want to speak specifically to my parents who have toddlers but even if you have uh, a child under 10 um this show's so good and teaches so many lessons and uh, it's so kind of uh diverse and, and kind of pushing um pushing the limits in a in a good way let me tell you a little bit more about the show Uh, again bluey is the main character Uh, she is an australian puppy Uh, her breed is a blue healer uh, if that helps you a little bit but she is an australian puppy the episodes are about seven minutes and give us a peek into bluey's family life Uh, one interesting thing about bluey uh, as I said, the show is, is very different in the way it approaches stereotypes and kind of pushes boundaries. Uh, Bluey is a little girl, but again, she is a blue healer puppy, so she is blue, which kind of defies the pink stereotypes that we would see in a lot of children's cartoons. Um, not to call out Paw Patrol, but you know, most of the times when it's a female animal character, they tend to be pink, where bluey is blue and it is really hard to tell if you're just listening or if you're new to the show it really takes you kind of a a beat or two to figure out that bluey is actually a little girl um bluey's parents they split household work and child care responsibilities equally Uh, she has a little sister named bingo and they engage in imaginative play and honestly that's what I love so much about this show. Again, they're little, they're little seven-minute uh, episodes, and Disney usually stacks about four of them uh, into about a half hour or so. Um, but they just do so. They they really they help spark the imagination. Um, more often than not, um, Bluey and Bling, Bluey and Blingo, Bluey and Bingo are with their dad. And they make up creative games. And believe me when I tell you this, I'm telling you, if you watch the show, some of the stuff you'll actually want to do at home. And I can tell you for a fact, some of the stuff Jonah and I have done because Jonah will watch the show. And again, there's a very strong uh, parent-child relationship with with the father and Bluey. Um, And a lot of times it does strike a chord for me because with Jonah and I having such a close uh, father-son relationship, um, I think Joe, Jonah sees the playing of Bluey and her dad, and then he wants to emulate some of those things with me. And honestly, sometimes we have so much fun playing the same games that, that they're playing in the episode. Um, I just, I really love it. It's, it really reminds you, you watch the show, and it's like, all right, this is why I became a parent. Like, this is the, this is the fun 
loving side of parenting. Parenting can be hard. Parenting can be tough sometimes. But when you watch the show, you're like, this is all about like what what being a dad is all about. Uh, it's just it's it is a um, heartwarming, innocent, uh, and just an unspoiled joy of childhood this cartoon it, it really is and i encourage you if you're a parent and you got toddlers i'm telling you man turn them on to bluey i guarantee you they will like it and you will like it as well it's one of those cartoons that you'll be able to sit and watch and at least know that your child is getting something out of it one of my favorite episodes is it's called takeaway and it was in season one it was episode 14 um bluey and bingo test their dad's limits of patience uh, as they become restless while waiting for a takeaway order as, as we would call takeout but I guess over there down under they, they call it takeaway but anyway they're at this Chinese restaurant they're waiting outside they're waiting on the order um, and, and it's it's great and there's a calamity of things that happen the egg rolls get forgotten so then they're waiting for egg rolls um, before the before the episode is over all the food winds up getting dumped out on the dad. It's just, it's really great. I, I think it's Bluey wants to go to the hose. There's like a hose spout on the side of the restaurant and he wants to turn it on and take a bath. Bingo's got to go to the bathroom, can't hold it anymore. The dad eventually takes Bingo over to pee in a bush, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, It's just, it's a fun loving show. And again, if you're a parent and you've ever been in those types of situations, like I just explained with the takeaway one where it just nothing goes right but you laugh about it and you just make the best of the situations that's what bluey is and i really like it there was another episode and i don't quite remember the specifics but i thought it was so well done because there was a little puppy character who went to school and they were having trouble it was obviously portrayed as a special needs character but without coming out and saying it's a special needs character but they showed you his plight of not being able to remember things and remember numbers and he's in he's doing this imaginative play with another puppy at Bluey's school and they're playing military and he needs to remember the coordinates for the helicopter pickup and the long and the short of it is he remembers the coordinates so he's he's proud of himself um and again it shows you know making friends being the new kid in the school and making friends there's, there's so many values that come out of this cartoon it is really refreshing um we watch a lot of stuff as parents even though we try to keep our children you know uh kind of away from the tv sometimes there's just sometimes you can't help it and you just need that break and you have to let them decompress as well and put them in front of the tv and i'm telling you bluey is a good one to do it with it's uh you know jonah is kind of in that tweener age um he still likes his puppy dog pals and his muppet babies um but he's also onto ducktails and, and cricket green um big city greens he he's so he's starting to transition but man bluey will still he, he will drop what he's doing if bluey's on i mean he does the, the intro dances and everything and he makes me dance along with them um he just loves it it's a great show I, I highly endorse it so to any of my parents out there in random thoughts and best regard lands i give bluey a big old stamp of approval Right now on Random Thoughts and Best Regards, let's go ahead and talk about a fast food conglomerate looking to speed up your drive through experience. Burger King, Popeyes, and Tim Hortons are getting new drive throughs to boost sales, or hopefully boost sales. 
Restaurant Brands International, which owns the three brands, said it is planning to modernize and speed up the drive-through experience at over 10,000 restaurants in North America by 2022. They will implement digital menus, four per drive-through lanes, and contactless payment. I, right away, off the bat, look at this and think, if you're looking to speed up the drive-through experience, you might need to do a little bit more than this, because I don't think this is the problem. I don't think the menus outside are the problem. I don't think the the having to uh, having non-contactless payments are the issue. Uh, I think I think it's one of those instances where the it's an it's an inside-out issue, not an outside-in issue. Um, you know, you can slap lip, you can slap lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig, right? Isn't that the isn't that the the saying? Um, I don't know. Um, again, uh, like I said, they will implement digital menus, four per drive-through lanes, and countless con- uh, contactless payment, uh, integrated loyalty rewards, and predictive selling technology. So basically, what's going to happen is when you pull into a BK, it will say on the screen, hello Todd, how may we screw up your order today? Here are a few suggestions we surely won't get right. Um, I've pretty much given up on BK because I feel like Burger King's given up on themselves. Um, Self-evident, if you've been to a Burger King lately, uh, I feel like as a company, as a corporation, they just don't care anymore. Uh, Burger King's been god-awful for about the last five years. Uh, I, I can tell you a few instances. Like, I've, I've legit just given up. I mean, Burger King, for the longest time, the slogan was, have it your way, right? Which is, is laughable because they never got it right. And, and I'm basic. I, I will tell you, the only reason why I would go to Burger King is for the original chicken sandwich. It was the only thing that I ate from Burger King was an original chicken sandwich. And yet they managed to find ways to still screw that up. Uh, I will tell you two instances right off the bat. One of them just completely turned me off to Burger King. Uh, so I'll save that one for for last. Uh, the first one, uh, about two, three years ago, I had gone to one of the local Burger Kings here and I had gone through the drive-thru. I ordered the classic chicken sandwich, went paid honestly didn't even notice any didn't didn't really uh, i'll be brutally honest and shame on me didn't really look at the price of the original chicken sandwich meal and didn't really think about it when i what my total was when i got to the window i just handed my debit card over and paid uh also didn't check my bag so i pulled away from that burger king got home when i got home what i found in my bag was not a chicken sandwich but a whopper and not only a whopper but a Whopper without cheese. So gross and double gross because it didn't even have cheese. Um, So severely disappointed because I was craving the original chicken sandwich. That was the only reason why I ever go to Burger King. So you cannot imagine my disappointment when I got home and found that they had completely screwed up the order and not even gotten it close. Like they didn't even give me like chicken tenders. Like they completely screwed it up and just gave me a Whopper. The second one, that really just completely turned me off to Burger King as I was at a different uh, a different location, a different Burger King. 
uh, I had gone in with a friend. We ordered. He was waiting on his food. I was waiting on mine. My order came out. It was the original chicken sandwich, but I had ordered an original chicken sandwich with onion rings. So I got the bag. I'm going to put napkins in the bag, and I realized, oh, they gave me fries instead of onion rings. So I walk back over to the counter, and I, I say to the person working, I say, excuse me, I got fries, and I ordered onion rings. Now, I want to preface this story by saying years ago, about 20 years ago, I worked in foods for a major theme park company. So I was well-trained. I understand a, a lot of food safety, a lot of... I, I, I'm. I understand a lot of things when it comes to food and when it comes to service. Um, So I said, excuse me, I got fries, I ordered onion rings. The woman, to the shock of both me and my friend that I was with, says to me, oh, okay, let me see your bag, which I thought was odd, but okay. So I put my bag up on the counter, I open up the bag. She reaches in to my bag, pulls out the fries, right? So again, I'm thinking, okay, weird, but... I guess she's taking the fries back. Most times when something goes across the counter, and this was even before the pandemic, now definitely this would never happen, or at least I surely hope this wouldn't happen in the pandemic. But um, I was like, okay, well, normally when something goes across the counter, it doesn't come back. You just write it off as a loss. Even if it's wrong, you just write it off as a loss. That's how most people do it. Uh, Reaches into the bag, and, and I shit you not, I'm not making up this story. Reaches into the bag. I'm so glad I had a witness there with me pulls the fries out, puts them back on the heater rack with other fries that she had scooped out already, that pre-scooped, puts them back on the heater rack as if they're going to go out again and then gives me a new, gives me an order of onion rings. I cannot tell you the levels of disgust that I experienced. And this was about two years ago. And I can tell you, I have not eaten at a Burger King since. (laughs) Because, to me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm not up on this stuff, I'm pretty sure that that's got to be some kind of health code violation. If it isn't, then we should write one in real quickly, like Major League Baseball, an unwritten rule. You can't take fries back over the counter and put them on a heater to reserve them. Um, so yeah, so I've given up on Burger King because I felt Burger King has given up on themselves. So we'll see. I personally don't think that... Um, I'll say it again. I personally don't think that digital menus for per drive through lanes and contactless payments are going to help out Burger King. Will they help out Tim Tim Hortons and Popeyes? Possibly. Will it probably help cut the line down for a Popeyes chicken sandwich? Sure. We probably could have used that like a year ago, right? Remember when our biggest problem? Remember when? uh, Seriously, let's, let's go back in time, please. Can we all go back to 2019 when our biggest problem was? We couldn't get a friggin' chicken sandwich from Popeyes. And now look where we are a year later. Could, could, can it be said at that time? Could you know it get any worse? It can get a lot worse. Um, gosh, remember? Think about that. Think about the simpler times in life a year ago when our biggest problem was a friggin' chicken sandwich from Popeyes. We had no idea. We were such naive sheep in this country. We had no idea what was looming on the horizon boy um uh, but yeah so again uh maybe this would be a good thing for tim hortons and popeyes like i said i've given up on burger king and i feel like burger king's given up on themselves 
So I, I've, I've realized I've repetitively said that throughout this entire segment, but it's, it's how I feel. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I do go to Popeye still, so perhaps this will this will speed things up. I'm, I'm concerned, though. Also, you know, especially being somebody um, from a from a video world, um, amongst the many other things that I'm doing, uh, I'm, I'm concerned about how uh, kind of Burger King and Popeyes operate in general. And if they don't have somebody actually maintaining those digital menus or those video boards outside, I can only imagine the shit they're going to look like after two months uh, when nobody's gone to tech them or work on them. Uh, So that should be fun. Uh, But we'll see how it goes uh, for Restaurant Brands International. Like I said, they own these three brands and uh, it is said they are planning to modernize and speed up the drive-through experience. Again, put lipstick on a pig but it's still a pig if you want to see how to speed up the drive-through experience take a look at chick-fil-a chick-fil-a doesn't have four lanes chick-fil-a has two lanes chick-fil-a doesn't have a fancy menu but you know what chick-fil-a has inside about 17 people working to make your order so it's ready when you get to the window and they got a, they got a, a drive-through line that you could land an airplane on because they the new stores now have these long runway type drive-through lines but it works you're 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 at the menu board and on your way with your food in about five minutes or less so again we'll see what happens for restaurant brands international maybe they'll have something here with their plan um, but uh, again sometimes it's not the outside problem, it's the inside problem. So we'll see how this works out for uh, Burger King, Popeyes, and Tim Hortons. All right, right now on Random Thoughts and Best Regards, let's go ahead and welcome in one of my bestest buddies in the whole wide world, and that's Rick. Ricardo, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, what's up, Todd? What's going on, man? I, I, I had to get you on this week because... We have to talk about this. You went on vacation. You drove across the country. And during that vacation, you walked in the footsteps of legends. <laughs> and by legends, I mean Marvin, Terrence, and myself. You, my friend, on your trip across country, made a stop in Lawrence, Kansas, at our home, my home, the University of Kansas. Uh, how was the trip? What were your impressions of KU? What did you think of the legendary Allen Fieldhouse? Yeah, so um, what I so I've been to Kansas before, but flown in, never okay. tri- drove around or anything, never sightsee, mm-hmm. just on best, a business just, best baggage claim in the country. Yeah, oh man, that, that I don't know there. how best baggage claim. Why in have the country, PSA? Like yeah. a guy can walk through the door and just blow the whole place up. Like what is <laughs> Right, like what a disaster that little airport is. Um, but so on this trip, uh, because we're we're going to Colorado, going mm-hmm. straight across the country. I, I live in Maryland. Um, we made some, and because of COVID, we weren't going to fly, so we wanted to make some just stops uh, across the country. And and I had some time from work mm-hmm. to burn. And I was like, you know what? There's a lot of little cities that I've been to for business, but never gotten to hang out in. Um, mm-hmm. And so Kansas City was one of them. Nashville was the other. And Nashville's a great town. I was so. I was gonna. Oh. I was gonna ask you. Oh. I didn't realize you stopped in Nashville. So I mean, impressed. Would totally go back again. 
um, has a real feel like Beale Street in Memphis or Bourbon Street mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Like really fun, well laid out town, good food. Um, so very impressed. Um, so on a way out Kansas City, I, I, I love meat, I love barbecue. Uh, so I had mm-hmm. done some research. I had to hit hit the group up at uh, Marvin and Terrence. You know what their thoughts were. And, <laughs> try to align a couple of places and so i got to visit a few of those and they joined me for, for lunch yeah. not gonna lie i was a little i was a little jealous yeah that, it was fun it was tons of fun um <laughs> and so uh the first time across um overland park is where i stayed um so mm-hmm. in kansas city went and got joe's barbecue the original ones at uh at the gas station uh best okay. burnt ends i've ever had excellent excellent food so didn't disappoint um and then had kept kept on going uh, straight across to to colorado the next day um i loved that drive it was just straight didn't require a lot of energy so easy i yeah. 70 man straight shot. shot very very easy uh, everybody warned me and they're like man that driving across kansas is gonna be boring i was like i actually enjoyed it like it was so relaxing <laughs> no you know not a lot of traffic not a lot of people on the road yeah um, and so then once we finished that visit out there we headed back and one of our stop was this Kansas City but downtown um, mm-hmm. and we stayed where you had stayed prior because yep. you, you're like hey it lights up the downtown lights up. <laughs> and I turned around and I was like oh he's right it does light up <laughs> right? like I didn't even pay attention to it it was so funny because I was like when you said the photo I was like hey I said that's the convention center and i was like he's almost facing yeah. it like he's in the marriott and i was like i stand because i remember that's the view that we had and i was like he's got to be in the Mar-. plus knowing you i was like oh, he's got to be in the marriott yeah um, yeah i'm a marriott then, guy yeah when you say i was like oh it's still it's it's been a while but i was like i think it still lights up uh because i remember i was I don't know. I was, I, anything with lights, I guess I get like a little kid. But when I was out there, I was like, oh, so cool. It lights up on the outside. Oh, but, so glad to know it still lights up. Yep. And a lot of people said like, hey, power light district. But due to COVID, it was empty. Like it was, I mean, I felt like Will Smith and I am legend. I, there was no one. And if you saw someone, you're like, what are they doing down here? Right? Like you're just trying to figure out yeah. like what's going on. Because there was nothing down. Yeah. Like did, happening. did you go? Did you go over there though? Did you did you go to the power light? Yeah, I went over to power light, but not like okay. I didn't know what I was looking at. I saw the signage, but there did was you, no one oh, out. Okay, you, you know, did, yeah, yeah. Did you at least see the? Did you at least see the Sprint Center? Yes, I did. I see it. I saw it on the way out. Is yeah. it like it's a? Is it just kind of like, cool? Yeah, yeah. Right, and it's yeah. just like oh, there's an arena. Like it just kind of hits you. It's the yeah. way they designed it and everything. It's like oh, there's the arena. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's you know, an interesting... to, you, and you, you got to remember, you know, we we're sort of out there. We were sort of used to Kemper, so you know, which was this big white, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, so the the Sprint Center is very different design, uh, and it just kind of pops up on you in, in that power line. Just so you're like, oh, there's the arena. Uh, continue. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so, but before we got downtown, Casey, we stopped. We were making good time, and I was like, man, I. I'm always in this chat with the, the Kansas guys, you know, take off <laughs> fanatics. And I'm like, I'm really yeah. close. I wonder if I could just like drive. I just thought like, maybe I could just drive by to see Allen Fieldhouse, right? I, uh-huh. I, it was so early. It was like, 
I, I, when we set the GPS, it was like, you're going to arrive at like 450, right? So I was like, okay, the mm-hmm. sun will be out. At least I can get a photo and say, hey, look where I am, guys. Drop a pin, right? Like yeah. that was just the thought of my, yep. my thoughts were, what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So we got off the, um, we took the highway. We're coming back. We got off and I see a big Hallmark building. I was like, wait, Hallmark's out here, right? Like it, yes. like, I, yes. I had no yeah. research on that. And I was like, oh, there's a big Hallmark mm-hmm. building. And then I came down, yep. and then all of the yeah, as soon as you come off the highway, and then every oh man, it is everything. And so you just and I've been to Univer- Duke University, Alabama. I've been to Texas A and M, Rice. Um, I've been been to some big universities. I love walking college. Mm-hmm campuses Me too. Um, Me and too. so i was intrigued i was like oh this is my kind of thing like i'm, I'm very intrigued and it was mm-hmm. easy like you drive in you make a left hand turn and all you of go down, you go down iowa yep you go yep. down iowa and you make that left <laughs> yep you make that left and all of the signage is set up like all the everything yep. everything you see is based on the jayhawks like all the buildings yep. all the buses you know the kids are walking the campus it's just a, a it's just surreal right you walk, you, you drive and you're like oh yeah. and what i didn't realize was lawrence was 45 minutes from kansas city i thought it was like like yes. when you think of college station in texas college station isn't close to anything right like texas a&m isn't yeah. close to you got to drive and or dallas you have to drive a little ways it's its own little town and so um, yep. I didn't realize this Kansas City proper was so close to Lawrence that it was 45 minutes yep. away. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. So that was a lot of students from Kansas City there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. So yep. we made the turn, go down. And then I think you hit Naismith Drive pretty quickly to get to yeah, Allen Field. You basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Up the, so I'll, I'll tell you a little story. You come up, um, you, you, you make that left off of Iowa, and you come up. There's uh, a series of dorms, and then yep. you come to the hill. From the hill, you see Fraser Hall, which is the big building with the two spires on top. Yes. Uh, then you okay. come down the hill. You start to come down the hill. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not there, but to the right is Jayhawker Towers, which is where we were. That was our apartment. Oh, okay. Um, that right sense. there. So okay. that so we lived in, in that walking distance to the field house. So you, okay. the towers are on your right. Yep. The sorority houses and fraternity houses are on the left. left. Yep, I noticed that. Yep. yep. You go past the law school, which mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure if it's still the law school. At the time, it was the law school. I think right it there. is. Yeah. And then you make you make the right. Yes, and you make that right, and then you're you're right there. You're Allen yeah. Fieldhouse. Yeah, and then once yeah. I made the right, I was like, oh, the Bruce Center, right? Like now, all the buildings are yep. being named. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's. Uh, that's been built since the last time I was out there, which was oh, 2010, I think. Um, okay. So, yeah. So I haven't seen it. I want to see it. It looks beautiful. I saw the picture you sent. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, continue. They connected it to Allen Fieldhouse mm-hmm. with a, like a walking span. Yes. Um, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And so it's immediately, I just turned in and right there is the baseball field. Yes. Um, yep. And so the parking lot between Allen Fieldhouse, where the ticket center is, and the baseball mm-hmm. field, there's a bunch of like permit parking. I was like, there's no ones around. I'm just going to park, right? Good so call. we park, we get out, I walk in front, and I'm just wandering around taking outside photos, assuming mm-hmm. the place is closed. And you so you would think, right? Yeah. You and would so, think. 
And so as 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 we're wandering around, Emily walks up to the glass, and the guy's like, "Come on in." Uh-huh. And it's like four fifty-five. The yeah. Allen Fieldhouse, the front part, the museum part, mm-hmm. um, Boo Family Hall of Athletics, I think it's called. Yes. Um, that closes at five, and the mm-hmm. guy was like, "Come on in." And we're like, "You sure?" Right? Like, <laughs> like it's five minutes. Like, yep. why? Like, you know what I mean? Like like he mm-hmm. can just close and leave you know but yep come on I in. know I'm biased but but one of the most hospitable colleges in the country man yeah, people I, are listen, just so nice that one experience would to, would sold it mm-hmm. to me right like you yep. know walk mm-hmm. in he starts telling us about the place he said you know you yep. come back tomorrow and you could tour this part you can <laughs> see the, the basketball rules um, mm-hmm. which are also written on that thing I sent to you the walkway um, yes, for, on the wall. Yes, I yeah. saw that. And, and so he told us about that. And then he's like, you wanted me to take some photos of you all? And and he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, very hospitable. Yeah, I was shocked. I was just like, wait, what? Like, you know, typically you go someplace and they're like, five minutes is closed. Like, the door's locked. Like, you're I will, getting. I will tell you this because you know my family and you know my family well. Those who hadn't been out there until my graduation, my senior year, like, they were completely, like, shocked at that so you're talking john had been out there before but like Susanna and like when they came out there they were just like shocked at how friendly and how nice everybody yeah. was my, my sister-in-law nice. was calling every everybody mary sunshine because everybody <laughs> was nice everybody was holding doors everybody it i don't know just the way it is out there yeah very nice very nice so i had a great experience and i actually thought to myself later in this trip i was like i wish i'd just stayed in lawrence you know like just had booked the hotel there because downtown had nothing going on um i honestly had i and again i know you didn't i know you didn't necessarily plan it was kind of i i would have suggested that to you honestly yeah um because it's just it's it's a college town and I, i mean i realize there's a lot going on with covid and everything else right now but lawrence is it is it's a it's a neat um, it's a neat little place, and you know, Kansas City is it's Kansas City. I mean, it's it, like I said, it's got the power and light district, it's got the plaza, but you know, it's just uh, yeah, Lawrence is just it's such a it's such a college city, and like you said, it's just it's all about the Jayhawks. Um, the, you know, um, were you uh, let, let me see, let me let me start here. Let's let's focus on the, the field house first. Uh, overall impressions of Allen Fieldhouse. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, you walk, I, you know, you walk up and you're just like, oh, this is where the great Andrew Wiggins played. That's what I thought. Not Paul Pierce, not Jacques Vaughn, not, you know, I don't care about the Chamberlain jersey. This is where, I like, this is where the great Chamberlain jersey, please. Thank you. Oh, God. Uh, don't forget Joel Embiid played there, too. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I, but I mean, it's just, um, and again, I wanted you on because, of course, you're going to be much less biased than, than any three of, of us would be. But um, it's just, I mean, did, did you feel when you walked in there, did you feel the history? Like, like, could you, did it feel? Yeah, no, like I, I always say that. Like, it's special, right? Especially as many games I've watched, you know, like, I think the first uh, Jayhawk game I watched uh, same, prior to you ever going there was Jock Bomb's freshman year. Would that make sense? Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah. And I remember because he was a McDonald's All-American and they had a 
I think they went as a tandem. He had a big man with him. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, Ostertag. Okay. And well, uh, they, well, Greg Greg graduated before him, but okay. Who went? So it was him. Well, I'm not. I'm trying to think who was in his class. Scott Pollard was in his class. Okay. So I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and see who yeah. he. But I just remember him because he, okay. as a short short guy, I was like, man, he's short yeah. and he's like balling at yeah. the highest yeah. D one level. You know, poetry in motion yeah you know that was and his nickname so mm-hmm. i think that was the first time and then uh, you know based on the text group i'm in with you guys i i always try to catch yeah. them every year or make sure i'm watching you know um because yeah. i gotta see coach self make adjustments on the big man you know like you yeah. can't you yeah. can't, cannot watch that um yeah and so yeah it was impressive i like i totally um like when I talked to Terrence and Marvin at lunch the next day, I was like, "Yeah, we definitely need to come out here and watch a game." And I know we've all yeah. planned one, and it just hasn't come yeah. to fruition yet. You know, it. Yeah, it is, it, and we we have to do it soon. It is. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I've often told people. Of course, it's going to be a little different for me, but um, if you, to me, that place is just as magical with no one in it as when. There, it's packed right. you know it's it when it's packed and it's you know a big game of course it's magical but one of my favorite things and one of the things that i miss is you know and you mentioned it it's crazy like you can pretty much i mean i don't know if it's still that way it sounds like it is but especially when i was going to school there you could walk into that arena anytime, yeah it's crazy and you could yeah. literally walk on yeah. the court like as long as they weren't practicing yeah. you could walk on the court and one of my favorite things was always just to walk to midcourt in the silence and just like see everything like it's just it's such a special place i mean even for me it was the first place i ever went and voted i mean i went and voted in allen field house in, in uh the 96 election but yeah it's just it's so special i mean and i, I was just curious as somebody who uh, just coming from the outside and i know you've gone to a lot of other schools like uh and visited it just is there's it i mean again i'm biased but there, it's just it, i still walk in there and i get i get goosebumps um you know you just you see when you go in there and what they did in the front is amazing like i say that like so if you're a recruit and you walk through that building you have to be impressed and if right. you're the visiting team and you walk through there you have to be intimidated like yeah, because I, I, I mean there's just so much history and you know um it's beautiful i mean what they did you know we didn't have that uh we didn't have that booth hall when we were going to school there. oh really? um, okay yeah no booth hall was booth hall came later um, I've seen it. I've been I've been in it now two or three times. Um, but yeah, that came. That was an addition after we graduated. It literally was. You walked in, concourse, court. Um, but you know, ground level concourse and court. But yeah, now the the addition of Booth Hall. It's it's amazing um, and beautiful. Uh, and, and I just love it. I mean, I miss it. When I when I when you sent me the photos, I was like, I was. I'm honestly like a proud parent. I was like, I was just smiling from ear to ear. I was like, yep, that's yep. it. That's that's my Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, it's really nice, um, especially that museum being the front of it, right? Like for yes. guests, you just walk in, you're like, oh man, you can feel the the depth of the the legacy, you know? The legacy. That's just it. You just you nailed it there. You walk in and you just you feel that legacy. You feel everything that kind of. You and you're know, right. A lot of college, tunnel, so to speak, college arenas, you can't get through the door. Like it's not you're not gonna go right. Like you're not you're not showing a yep. camera in indoor stadium and walking in and walking around yeah. and seeing things, right? Like I, you yep. know. So, 
um it's most most of the time they're like why are you here you know like yeah you know exactly. no game yep. there's nothing happening security would be like why are you here yep. so i like that they made it like inviting to to anyone yeah. to just walk up and they just start telling you the story <laughs> you know, <it's> like, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah yeah i remember a fu- funny story I'll, and i'll t- just tell this quick one um, so we were there. We, I went out in. Uh, so we won the national title in LA, and of course, there was no way in hell I was not. I waited so long. There was no way in hell I was not going to see that trophy. Um, so me, Marvin, and Terrence. Uh, and then I don't. I don't believe they had seen it yet. I think. It, I think it was their first time seeing it too, because um, I think they waited for me. So anyway, we went out there. We went out to the field house. Um, we went to see the trophy. We saw, of course, and so then I wanted to see the Big Twelve championship. And I went to the girl who, you know, was probably similar to the guy that you saw there that day. And I said, hey, uh, and I completely froze myself in time. And I said, hey, um, where's the Big 8 championship trophy? And she looked at me like she had no idea what the heck I was talking about. And Marvin leans over and he goes, you mean 12? And uh, I was like, I was like. Uh, the Big 12 championship, right? And she's like, she's like, oh, she's like, it's over here. And I said, do you even know what the big eight was? Right. <laughs> and she was like, no. And then we start like Marvin and Terrence started making fun of me. And I was like, oh, okay. Conference we were in probably. Um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so I felt, I felt old that day, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful what they've done there. Um, and it's great. It looks even greater. It looks even greater with the national championship trophy. It probably would have looked, uh, you know, fantastic if you would have been able to see our 2020 national championship trophy, but um, <laughs> that's another story that I'm still not letting go of for another day. Um, overall, I know you didn't, I know you just saw the field house. Did you see, uh, did you drive to the rest of campus or anything? Or did you? No, I kind of just looped, looped back okay. out the, the same way. Okay. Um, the same yeah, way. all the kids were masked, they were following all the social yep. distancing. Um, yeah. And, and, it was it was like lively, like it felt alive. It did not feel dormant, it, it, you know. Yeah, it it is it is lively. Um, our, our football teams, you know, I think they're wearing their masks, but uh, that's another <laughs> another another story for another day. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just I was just curious because I think one thing that shocked most people, like everybody who's come out and visit, my family, Shintu, my cousins, anybody who ever was out there when I was out there, they're shocked at the size of the campus. Um, yes. So I was just, I didn't know how much you got to experience uh, because, yeah, the campus is huge and it's beautiful. And I tell yeah. people that all the time. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, so, well, good. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you had, uh, you know, I'm glad you got to see it. I, you know, part of me obviously wishes I could have been there with you because that right. would have been fun, but we'll, we'll make up for it um, at some point and we'll, we'll definitely. Um, but yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, tell me now, I missed it again. I couldn't make it. Um, but where'd you, Where'd you go for your second barbecue when you met oh, Marvin? Oh, yeah. So Terrence and Marvin joined us at Q39 okay. um, barbecue, and it was excellent. Um, okay. Yeah, they they were shocked due to COVID how not busy it was. Okay. Because um, Marvin said, like, yeah, usually you wouldn't even get a parking spot. You'd have <laughs> okay. to wait, you know, like an hour to sit down or whatever. But uh, it was good. The, okay. the all the, all the components are great. So nice. Not, Did not you? Which did you like better of the two? Um, I like the burnt ends and the baked beans at Joe's. I okay. like the chicken and the pulled pork, and they had like an Asian slaw at oh. the at Q thirty nine, which okay. was really yeah, very cool. 
Well, buddy, I appreciate you joining us around for just a few minutes and uh, I'm going to bring you back on a little bit and we're going to do random five. All right. Yep. No problem. All right. Stick with me. We'll be back in just a few minutes on random thoughts and best regards. Well, if you're a fan of this drink, and to be quite honest, I'm not sure why you would be, but nonetheless, if you are a fan of this drink, you may want to go ahead and stock up because 2020 has struck again if you are a fan of Tab. Coca-Cola, after nearly 60 years, is discontinuing its first ever diet soda Tab, which acquired a huge fan base in the 70s and 80s and maintained a small but devoted following throughout the years. Tab is one of several underperforming products. Coke has said it is eliminating from its brand lineup by the end of the year, so make sure you go out and find some Tab before January. Um, The company seeks to streamline production and focus on best sellers. Coca-Cola is not alone in uh, kind of working on its brand lineup Uh, many food and beverage companies are cutting back on their product offerings during the pandemic to make their operations more efficient and meet growing demand for their most popular items Uh, the company said its beverage overhaul was already underway before covid19 but the pandemic prompted the company to fast track changes coca-cola previously announced that Ottawa juices and zyko coconut water would be among the discontinued brands as well so there you have it tab has effectively fallen victim to the pandemic much like many other things unfortunately and again not making light of this because people have actually lost their lives during this pandemic so it's a very serious thing Um, but here is another example of a big corporation trying to um, streamline to sort of stop the hemorrhaging, stop the bleeding. Obviously, um, people aren't working, people don't have money, they're not spending as much. So Coca-Cola has decided to streamline their products, to focus on what is selling. They will continue to focus on their Coke Zero products and Diet Coke. Uh, That's kind of where they will put their, um, in terms of diet drinks now, that's where they'll put their their emphasis in. Um, in fact, they went on to say retiring products like Tab frees the company to invest in powerhouse Diet Coke and Coke Zero brands. So there you have it. If you are a fan of Tab, uh, go ahead and stock up. I'm not quite sure why. Show of hands in the audience. Has, has anybody ever drank a Tab? Um, I have, and I'll tell you a funny story why I have, but uh, to me, Tab basically had, so think of Diet Coke with no taste, and then just a, instead of a hint of lime, like a hint of metal. So imagine a tasteless Diet Coke with a hint of metal instead of a hint of lime. Uh, That was pretty much Tab in a nutshell. You ask, T-O-double-D, how do you know what Tab tastes like? I'll tell you a story. I want to say back in the probably late 80s, early 90s, we'll go with, um, I was pretty, I was pretty young. Um, so let's say, let's say late 80s, very early 90s. Um, Coca-Cola 
as a company across their their brands had put uh, NFL teams on their cans. So of course, as a kid, you do things like collect baseball cards, collect all kinds of random things. I wanted to collect these soda cans. So myself, Shinju, Ricardo, another friend of mine, George, we all were collecting these cans. And I was trying to get the full league. I forget how many teams were in the league at that point, uh, kind of a mute point. But whatever the case, I was trying to get the whole collection. And I had most of them. And again, it was across uh, Coca-Cola, Cherry Coke, Sprite, Diet Coke. And there was one team for whatever reason. This is the bizarrest thing because like on the other brands, you could get like multiple teams. Like you could get you know say the the houston oilers and uh, new england patriots you can get them on coke cans you could get like uh the new york jets and and the, the um you know miami dolphins on a sprite can like you could get multiple teams across different brands but for whatever reason i needed the tampa bay buccaneers and the only place to get a freaking tampa bay buccaneers can was tab so finally one day, we're in Quick Check, which is the local convenience store right around the corner from where we lived in New Jersey. And we used to go in there all the time and try to, you know, we were collecting cans, buying cans of soda to collect these, these individual teams. Finally, they have the tab can with the Buccaneer. So I get it. It helps me, you know, to complete my set. Um, so of course now I have these all stacked up on my dresser in kind of like a pyramid fashion. So I got to empty it out. And instead of just pouring it out, I'm saying, well, okay, I'll, I'll taste it. How bad could it be? Boy, it could be bad. Again, like I said, think of tasteless Diet Coke with a hint of metal. And there you have Tab. Uh, so not shocked that Tab is going away. However, really weird, because I will say that, and I mentioned that in an article, they had this very devoted devoted fan base. It was a small fan base because this isn't the first time that that Tab almost met a demise, but a couple times it had just been saved. Um, and now finally, with the pandemic, there just there was no no saving Tab, and I, I assume the fan base just over the years just got even smaller than than it originally was. It was always kind of like a niche fan base, um, and it's just time. It's time for Tab. Um, to go into retirement and, and that's what it will do so again if you are a fan of tab and from what i understand it's hard to get tab anyway um right now like in the pandemic that was one of the things just like they had issues with dr pepper there was a minute there during the early days of the pandemic like march april where it was really hard to get dr pepper uh from what i understand it's really hard to also get tab right now um so now add on to that the fact that the retirement has been announced i'd imagine from now until january it's going to be very hard to find tab so if you are a fan of tab i would recommend you going and trying to find some now especially before the price gouging and everything starts on amazon because again this is 2020 we also know that's going to happen as well um, so again to recap tab will be retiring at the end of the year there will be no more tab coca-cola company will now instead focus on diet coke and coke zero products again it is a streamlining effort streamlining i'll get that word out of my mouth streamlining effort to go ahead and kind of quell some of the financial losses that coca-cola much like many other companies have taken during the pandemic today's random thought all 180 episodes of seinfeld had a different variation of the iconic theme song 
And that's today's Random Thought. All right, right now on Random Thoughts and Best Regards, it's time for everybody's favorite game show. It's the game show that's so easy, you can do it while you're sitting on your toilet. This week's <laughs> guest on Random Five this spooky, spooky, this spookily ookly <laughs> Halloween edition of Random Five is my guy Saul. Saul, welcome back to the show. Oh, you know, I sit, I sit on my toilet quite often, my friend. So this is perfect. I've been watching. <laughs> there you for go. A while. <laughs> the, the, the inside joke with that there is uh, I've actually reached out to a few people to do this segment and they said well let me check my schedule and get back to you and my answer has wanted to be you could literally play this game while you're taking a shit <laughs> it really is that quick nice I love it I love it I'm ready I'm down I'm but, down but, but anyway here we are happy Halloween my friend happy Halloween bud happy Halloween everybody happy, happy Halloween here, here we go right down to business uh number five or number one however you want to look at it we'll, we'll start at number five we'll go we'll go reverse today like it five here we go Saul. Saul, what's your go-to drink order when you're at the bar oh uh you know what i am a just uh you know overweight white woman trying to lose weight and i go for a vodka soda with a lime <laughs> vodka with a lime <laughs> with a lime with a twist <laughs> yes clear alcohols are for uh women trying to lose the weight or something like that i <laughs> ron swanson and, said <laughs> and sal apparently yeah and me exactly <laughs> four oh, mildly annoying curse do you wish you could curse people with? Oh. You know, it stinks, but I'm such a hateful person. I say <laughs> stubbing your pinky toe. Ow, good every one. Every morning out of the shower. That's a good <laughs> one. That is a pain, pain annoying curse. Good, good job there, yes. buddy. Yeah, it happened to me uh, two days ago. <laughs> It's, 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 that one oh, was easy boy. to answer. Right? It's bad. I, my pinky toe almost took a chunk out of the wall. That was bad. <laughs> Number three, Sally. What's the worst date you've ever been on? Oh, man. This is tough. I don't know. I, you know, I feel like they haven't all they've been all, They've all been amazing, right? Yeah, they've, they've all been just fantastic. Oh, <laughs> man, the worst date I've ever had. I can't, off the top of my head, I, I feel like I can't really think of one. Um, cause, uh, well, that's a good thing. That, that's, that's not a Yeah, problem. I mean, no. It, it, it's just uh, just the typical, like, all right, I guess this isn't really going to work out. A little awkward hug kind of at the end and uh you, you know you. we see our separate ways yeah. and i'll then, call uh, you <laughs> yeah you hope you don't have a, a class with her next semester in college like <laughs> it was one of those I was like, like, oh okay yeah there bad. you go yeah <laughs> all right number two oh this one's actually right in theme good job here so what's your favorite halloween candy oh uh, <laughs> Anything, anything chocolate, like Kit Kats or those crackles. Kit Kats. Crackles. Yeah. Crackles. I, yes. I know oh, you yeah, remember you, the tortoise. You know about the crackles. crackles. Yes. People yeah, do I'm not telling. understand. People do not, you do not understand 
it's a thing of beauty how many crackles Sal and I would have on our announce table at the City Beautiful Invitational. It was it was a thing of beauty. Crackles, crackles were our lifeblood at it's times. It's ridiculous. Once we got to crackling, there was no telling <laughs> what was happening. All right. <laughs> All right, buddy. Here we go. Number one, you've made it this far. Here is number one on random five. If you could be in any TV sitcom, which one would you choose? Oh man, this is a good one. You know what? Ballers. Ballers. You'd be a baller. Yeah. That's a good Off answer. HBO. Ballers. That's a good answer. <laughs> yep. I could I could completely see you in either one of those shows, but I see you I see you as a baller. That's a good yes. answer, buddy. I love it. Thank that's, you. Thank you. I tried. I'm trying to get the highest a... score in this game. <laughs> <laughs> there, you, there you go. Well, well, buddy, you did it. You survived. You survived random five. Yes. Nice. Love it. Love it. Happy I, Halloween, I, everybody. Happy, happy Halloween. Hey, hey, buddy, I appreciate you having having. I appreciate that. that, that, that. see what happens. There. I appreciate having you on. Oh, anytime, I, had too, man. I had too many crackles. That's what happened. That's what I'm telling you. Nobody needs to power the crackle. <laughs> the power of the crackle. I appreciate you having you on this. I still can't talk. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Uh, I appreciate this very spooky Halloween episode of Random Five, Saul. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> All right, all right. You, you go have fun and enjoy the rest of your Halloween. Will do. Will do. You too. All right. We'll talk soon. No problem. Later. Chicka, chicka, wow, wow. Welcome back into Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I am your host, T-O-Double-D. Hope you don't mind my sound effects there. Recently, men's basketball coach for the University of North Carolina, Roy Williams, opened up to CBS about his departure from the University of Kansas in 2003. And I wanted to spend some time talking about that today because obviously it holds a near and dear place to me. For those of you who do not know, uh, I graduated from the University of Kansas and I was there the same time frame as Roy Williams. So Roy holds a special place with me. There were interactions and um, I wanted to talk about this a little bit today. And I guess the first thing that I should do is kind of set the table for you about what going to the University of Kansas was like for me. It was a surreal time. And looking back at it now, uh, it, it was surreal. And I was so incredibly lucky. I, I, I knew it at the time, but as I get older, I realized it even more. I mean, I was so incredibly lucky for the opportunity given to me by my parents and, and the opportunity to go to KU and to Lawrence. But um, from the minute I arrived on campus, pretty much, it was not uncommon to be around elite basketball players. I mean, KU had, had some of the greatest. And one of my first encounters was at a Holiday Inn down the road from the university and I had met Greg Ostertag at the at the buffet in the morning and I had introduced myself to him and you know he was very cordial very nice and I told him that I was an incoming freshman at KU and he told me you know great choice and and he wished me the best of luck and and so that was my first interaction and then from there it it just I was surrounded by more and more great players a lot of them went on to the NBA I mean you're, you're talking about Jacques Vaughn, Scott Pollard, Paul Pierce, uh, the list just goes on and on and on. But it was not un- it was not uncommon at all to have encounters with them. 
um, you know, I would take a bus in my freshman year. I would take a bus to one of my classes, and it was at the same time that Scott Pollard had a class, and I would sit on the bus, and Scott and I would have conversations. Uh, again, just surreal, surreal times. Here I am, a freshman at KU, and this guy that I've been watching play for KU the last few years on television, just having a con- casual conversation with me about you know what was going on. Uh, one time we were even talking about history, so it, it was just it was always something going on. There was another time Shintu was visiting me. I think it might have been in my sophomore year. Yeah, probably had to be in my sophomore year. Shintu, who's appeared as a guest on the show before was visiting and we were at a party with my roommates and Paul Pierce walked into the party and Shintu was like dude dude that's Paul Pierce Paul Pierce is at this party and we were like yeah because it was so it was so commonplace I mean we'd see the guys on campus we'd say hello we talked to them we knew them as human beings they weren't these great elite NBA players yet they were college kids just like us I mean, they were just college kids, and it was such a cool and such a surreal time looking back at it. I mean, Rafe LaFrance, Jared Haas, uh, Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison, they were just guys, and we'd see them, and we'd have interactions with them, and, and it was fun. And I, I'm telling you, it was a truly amazing time to go to college and in a truly amazing place, and Coach Roy holds a special place with me because it was not uncommon to see Coach Roy walking around campus. He would do it on the weekends. He would do it sometimes, you know, around sunset. Coach Roy was was always out and about. And so that was not an uncommon thing. And Coach Roy was also a very genuine guy. Uh, I can tell you a story that I didn't even know until later years. Uh, Out of my senior year in high school, my high school basketball coach had written a letter to Coach Roy about how he thought I might make a good team manager. And I didn't know this until a few years later, but... Roy didn't just send a form letter back to, number one, he didn't just ignore my head coach, and number two, he didn't just send a form letter back to my coach. He sent a personalized letter back to my coach saying, you know, that he was sorry at this time that all the positions were filled, but that he would keep me under consideration. And, you know, he used, he used things from my coach's letter in his letter that made you know that he took the time to write it. It wasn't just a form letter. And that's just the type of guy that that Roy was so it doesn't surprise me in this CBS interview when Roy talks about the the emotions and the decisions attached to to making the choice to leave Kansas to go to UNC I I remember I can tell you a specific interaction with Roy and I I wanted him I had seen him before I've I've always said hello coach you know that we've interacted before but there was one day in particular he was walking past the field house and I was I was walking you know, towards him in an oncoming fashion, and I had a hat, and I said, hey, coach, and, you know, he said, hello, and I said, would you mind signing my hat for me, and he was like, sure, but you got to do me a favor, so I was like, all right, I didn't know what he was going to ask, he's like, you got to walk with me to my office, so now his office was in the Anschutz Pavilion, which was kind of a building behind the field house, Um, so I said, okay, sure, so, uh, you know, I'm walking with coach, and he's, he's talking to me, and he's asking me, you know, how, how am I, how am I doing, how's school going, um, you know, what am I majoring in? Very, just a very personal conversation. And we walk, you know, all the way back up to his office and he's just chatting me up the whole time. And he was trying to find out about me, the student. I wasn't a basketball player. I was just a kid at KU. But Coach Roy knew that. Coach Roy considered me a part of the family. And it was important for him to know a little bit about me. And I always appreciated that about Coach. 
Um, so when Coach starts to open up about this, again, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. And let me, let me try to explain for those of you who don't know the history. Coach Roy Williams was an assistant coach under Dean Smith at the University of North Carolina. If you watch The Last Dance, Coach Roy was featured in it, the docuseries on Michael Jordan, because he was an assistant coach when Michael Jordan was at the University of North Carolina. He was also an assistant coach to James Worthy and many other great players. There is a deep tie between the University of Kansas and North Carolina. It starts at Dean Smith, it goes to Roy Williams, and on and on and on. There are ties between the two schools. Roy came to Kansas and had built one of the most dominant programs in the country. Kansas struggled to win a national championship. They lost in 91 in the finals, they lost in 03 in the finals, and they had many star-studded teams along the way, and they always tended to come up short for whatever reason. And Coach Roy started to get a label of not being able to win the big one, which in hindsight was ridiculous, but it, it, is, it is what it is. You know, when other coaches were winning championships, Coach Roy wasn't. He was falling short. But what Coach Roy was doing, which I think was more important and what I appreciated more, is every year he was consistently putting out a winner. Every year, our teams could compete for the national title, and consistency is key. Consistency is key. Championships are great, and at the end of the day, championships are what it's about. But consistency, to have a consistent program, is a true mark of a legendary and a great coach. So, in 2000, this would be my junior year at KU, or you want to call it my super my senior year because I had a super senior year in 2001 but so junior senior year in in Kansas however you want to phrase that for me uh Roy has a chance to go to North Carolina as a head coach he's torn doesn't want to leave KU feels he has business to still take care of Roy toils over this decision for several days several, several days, and I can tell you another personal story that some people may not know, but if you were at KU, you, you know this story. Coach Roy was really having a hard time with this decision, so Coach Roy went, and we have a fountain on campus and on Jayhawk Boulevard, and Coach Roy went. It's traditional that when seniors graduate, we jump in the fountain. It's, it's, it's a well-known fountain on campus. Coach Roy went, took his shoes off, rolled up his pants, and sat in the fountain, and Coach Roy deliberated on the decision. I'm sure Coach looked up and down Jayhawk Boulevard. I'm sure he looked all around. For those of you who've never been there, it is an absolutely beautiful and serene view. So I'm sure he was taking that all in. While he was taking it all in, he thought about how he promised Nick Collison that he would stay. And he sat in the fountain and he thought about it. And his conclusion that he came to was he just couldn't justify leaving after he promised the kid he'd be there for all years. It just wasn't him. He made a promise. He gave his word. He had to stay. That was his, that's what he had came to. He promised Nick, along with other players, that he would be there. He'd be their coach. He'd be their only coach. 
he decided he had to stay. This was huge. Because in 2000, we all thought, us Jayhawks, we all thought Roy was gone. This was his alma mater, North Carolina. We figured he's on the first plane out of here. Doesn't matter what KU meant to him. Doesn't matter if this is his alma mater. They're calling. It's his time. He's out of here. Roy decided to stay. And I'll be honest, man, we were stunned. Uh, at least me, I can tell you. But I know my, you know, I, my friends and I have lots of conversations about. It. We were stunned and elated at the same time to have Coach Roy back. Uh, so he stayed with the university. And fast forward now to 2003. Well, let me give you let me give you a little bit more on that because there's there's more ties to Kansas and, and North Carolina. So Roy stays. Okay, Roy Roy decides he's going to stay. Turns down UNC. Decides he's going to stay at KU. What UNC then does is they go to another choice, who is another UNC alum, but who is also one of our assistant coaches. And they select Matt Doherty to be their head coach. So Matt Doherty leaves KU, leaves the bench, and Roy heads down to North Carolina to be the head coach, right? Fast forward to 2003. Jayhawks, crazy good team. Man, I'm talking about Collison, Heinrich, Langford, Phenomenal team. Uh, 02, we go to the Final Four, come up short. 03, team's back, team's a monster. They're chugging, run through the tournament. Man, they just, they, they run, they're there. Championship game against Syracuse. Everybody thinks this is it. This is Roy's moment. Roy is going to finally break through, finally win his national championship in the most freakish style of the NCAA tournament. Jerry McNamara for Syracuse goes off in the first half, just bombing threes from the parking lot. I mean, this dude was on fire. Limitless range, man. He was just bombing threes from everywhere. KU could do nothing, didn't matter. Hand in his face, nothing mattered. McNamara all day long. People can talk about Carmelo Anthony all they want. That championship was delivered because of Jerry McNamara. And if you go back and you watch the game, you'll see that. And you'll also see how Kansas made it close. But again, Kansas made their own mistakes. Not going to make excuses. We lost. Syracuse won the national championship. At this time, rumors are starting to swell because UNC has just fired Coach Doherty. Now, mind you, after Roy turned down UNC once, we had a feeling of serenity and a feeling of safeness because we thought, He's, he's Kansas. He's, he's staying. He's Kansas. Anyway, rumors start to swirl. And of course, the media, the rumors start to swirl before this 03 championship. But nobody really, nobody, everybody kind of quells them, squashes them. Nobody. After the game, you know, there's a tradition they talk to the losing coach. Roy's asked a question. And Roy snaps because it's not so much... How's your team doing? What, are the, what did you say to the guys? It's almost right out of the gate. Was this your last game at Kansas? And Roy, who is just a very daggummit type guy, uh, doesn't really curse much. You know, he tries to find other adjectives to throw in there so that you feel like he's cursing, but he's not really cursing. He just he loses it on this reporter. Uh, it was a CBS reporter. He just he loses it on her uh, because he's hurting. And I'll tell you, 
I think that 2003, my opinion, losing that championship broke Roy. And it, it, it broke his spirit a little bit because he loved Kansas so much. And he loved us as students, as a student body. He loved the fans. He loved the heritage. He loved everything about Kansas. He wanted nothing more than to deliver us a championship. And I think as much as he will tell us that he promised Nick Collison and other players that he would stay for all four years, I think he didn't leave us in 2000 because he also felt he had unfinished business and he was not going to leave until he delivered us a championship. And I think in his heart of hearts in 2003, because again, rumors were swirling, I think Coach Roy thought in his heart of hearts, if he goes out and we beat Syracuse, and he can deliver KU this championship. If UNC does offer him this job because they've just fired Coach Darty, he can leave under good faith and good conscience, saying, I did my job. I brought this fan base what they deserve. I brought this university what they deserve. Now I'm going to go home. Now I'm going to go to UNC. That didn't happen in 2003. And I think that threw a little bit of a monkey wrench in, in how, in Roy's plans, in terms of how he wanted to potentially go out. So Roy was upset after that that loss. Uh, also, I mean, he loved this team. He talked about how he stayed for Nick and Kirk and, and, and you know, Lang for like, he, these, I, I think this may have been one of his favorite teams. Um, so fast forward now a little bit. It's a couple days later. I think that the championship game's usually on a Monday night, right? So I want to say it's either uh, a Friday or a Saturday. And I'm out on a date with my girlfriend and by this point she's very well versed in, in KU and, and who the players are and who, you know she's, she's familiar with Coach Roy and um, we're walking through a store and there's TVs in the it's a sports store and there's TVs in the store and my girlfriend says to me hey isn't that your coach and I said huh and she was like your coach Kansas you're, you're on TV and I said huh and I turned around and in that moment, I'll never forget it. I will never, ever forget it, man. In that moment, I looked at the TV. I saw Coach Roy. And I saw the UNC logo on the backdrop. And all I said was, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll flower it up a little bit. I won't flower it up too much, but I'll flower it up a little bit. I just stood there and out loud said, shit, 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 shit except every one of those shits was an F-bomb. And my girlfriend was like, what's wrong? And I said, he's leaving us. And man, when I tell you the pit of my stomach, I wanted to vomit. I felt nauseous. I just, it was such a gut punch um, that I would just never forget that moment. I will never forget that moment of her saying, isn't that your coach on TV? And then me turning around and seeing him and that logo behind him. Um, just a wild, surreal moment. And there was so much emotion behind it. I can't I can't blame Coach Roy for leaving. I, I, I truly can't. Uh, I wouldn't deny anybody the opportunity to return home or return home to their alma mater if I were coaching somewhere else and the position opened up at Kansas. I wouldn't even BS you, man. I'd, I'd be there. I'd be in Lawrence on the, on the first plane out, man. I, I, without hesitation I would accept the job so I, I didn't I, I wouldn't have blamed him in 2000 if he left and I didn't blame him in 2003 when he left but it still hurt so 
Coach Roy, again, in, in opening up about this, was saying how the main reason he stayed in 2000 was because he promised the guys. So he talks about how in 2003, things, things changed a little bit. You know, Coach Roy was very close with our athletic director, Bob Frederick, at the time, um, which I believe may be another reason why he stayed in 2000. At that point in 2003, Bob Fredericks had just left, and we had a new athletic director. And I don't know how comfortable Roy felt with that. Um, and whatever the case may be, you know, Dean Smith came calling again and said, Roy, this, this time we really need you. Uh, and for whatever his inner reconciliations were, this time it, it seemed right for Roy uh, to go to UNC. But I thought this was the interesting part of the interview. Uh, Coach Roy recalled how dirty he felt walking out after notifying the team. He was leaving. He said he felt worthless. And in hindsight, if he knew how he was going to feel, he probably wouldn't have left. And I think that's a great way to, if you know Coach Roy, that's a great way to look at it. Because you know what? I believe that. If he would have known how it would have made him feel as a human being to look those kids in the eyes and say, I'm leaving you. I think he would have stayed because again, I told you the fountain story and, and how he promised Nick to stay. That made that was a huge part of him making his decision in 2000. And you know, in, in 2003, if he would have known how hard it was to deliver this news to the kids, uh, chances are he might have stayed. We'll never know. Um, but I, I, I think it's. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. Again, uh, as as I said in this interview with CBS. Coach Roy recalled how dirty he felt walking out after notifying the team he was leaving. He said he felt worthless, and in hindsight, if he knew how he was going to feel, he probably wouldn't have left. And I'll say this. Uh, my honest opinion, everything happens for a reason, and I feel like everybody won here. And I'm sure that's easy for me to say, sitting after you know Bill Self was a phenomenal coach, taking over for Coach Roy leading us to a championship in 2008 and you know finally delivering something that we were starved for was that championship I will never forget when we won that championship in, in 2008 and I literally leaped on top of a table at the alehouse with my arms extended to the heavens and just let out this blood-curdling yell of finally because you don't understand how much pent up emotion that was after years and years of defeat to finally break through it was an amazing moment uh but to stay on track i think everything happened for the best i think after 2003 i think coach roy was broken i, I truly believe that loss broke him so i think a fresh start at unc was good for him and he went on to win his championships hey listen championships no championships i know championships are how coaches are are, are measured but man Coach Roy was one of the greatest with or without championships, man. That's that simple, point blank. Uh, but he went on to UNC, great program. He's won championships there. Kansas has been fine. Kansas has been chugging along. We won a championship in 08. We are the uncrowned champions in 2020. Uh, nobody can argue any differently with us. Had there been an NCAA tournament, had there not been the pandemic, had things played out, this Kansas team was going to do it once again. We're the uncrowned national champions. Put an asterisk next to our name, do whatever you want. This season, 2020, was ours. We are the champions. Um, but I believe that everything that happened, happened for a reason. 
Coach Roy finished up a record at Kansas of 418 wins and 101 losses. That's a 8.805 winning percentage, uh, which is just crazy. I mean, he, again, phenomenal job at KU. Um, and there's there's no denying it. I mean, he didn't bring any national championships to Kansas, but he took us to Final Fours, and, and he had an, an undeniable uh, ability to win. Another comment that I thought was truly interesting and kind of raised my eyebrow coming from Coach Roy, because, again, Coach Roy is, is the UNC head coach. Currently, UNC head coach, nothing's changed. He's been entrenched there for a number of years, but Coach Roy was asked what he misses about Kansas. And he says, the fans in Allen Fieldhouse. Boy, I miss that place. It's the best home court advantage. Hey, I'm not going to argue with him. Allen Fieldhouse is a magical, magical place. And unless you've stepped foot in there, you don't understand, man. And when you step in there for, for a game, it's completely different. You can step into that place absolutely empty on a Monday or a Tuesday. And it's magical. Step in there on a Saturday afternoon when there's a big game, when Texas comes to town, right? Step in there when Kevin Durant and the Texas Longhorns come on a Saturday afternoon and it's the freaking best, man. It's electric. There is nothing like it. And I don't care what anybody says. Everybody's going to argue for their alma mater. I know, I get it. But man, here's a guy that's coaching at UNC one of the best programs in the country that has a great home court advantage. And he's telling you how he misses the place. It's the best home court advantage because it's true and you can't lie about it. If you've experienced it, if you know it, you can't lie about it. So I encourage anybody, if you ever have a chance to catch a Kansas game in our field house, man, it's, it's bucket list stuff. If you're a basketball fan, it's bucket list stuff. Um, you know, Coach Royal always holds a special place to me. That's why when I saw this interview and I kind of read his comments, I wanted to talk about it. I mean, you know, even years after he left, man, my grandmother still loved him. My, my grandmother used to watch KU games, and she used to love the way he gets so riled up on the, on the side of the court. She used to think he was so spunky. Uh, and even when he went to North Carolina, she would follow uh, what the Tar Heels were doing, and, and she would watch the games still. Um, you know, he, he made an impact. But again, like I said, you know, you go to Kansas and, and you become a family. Everybody's like, you know, you know each other. Your your brothers, your cousins, like it, it. It's just a camaraderie. You're not, you know, you're not this legendary coach. You're not this future NBA star. You're just one of the guys or one of the girls, and it's crazy. So, I, again, it was a great read. I'm glad I got to talk about it a little bit. One of the joys of parenting is there are times where your child will ask you a question and you need to think very quickly on your feet. Uh, this happens a lot since my son got a little bit older and he is inquisitive. He will at times ask me a question and I need to quickly come up with an answer. I try to not necessarily um, steer him in the wrong direction or not tell him the truth but there are times where I kind of have to flower it a little um, trying to give him an honest answer but sometimes it's, it's just hard and there are certain things that are age appropriate and maybe the concept is too big for him to digest all at once and again I'm not 
I'm not uh, knocking children or their ability to understand because we've seen through this pandemic and everything else, children are resilient and children have an actual pretty amazing understanding of things. Um, It's adults who kind of have it screwed up. But nevertheless, uh, there are times where you get asked a question and you have to think very quickly and a lot of times you have to audible uh, just because for whatever there, there can be various reasons, but you have to audible. This happened to one of my friends the other night and being so used to having to do this, um, I quickly had a response to her for how she should have answered and she thought it was brilliant, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you the scenario and I'll tell you how she answered. Um, but again, as somebody who's had plenty of experience in this, I will tell you the PC answer that I came up uh, with how she should have responded. Uh, so basically, my friend got caught off guard uh, the other night with her girls. They were watching Hocus Pocus, and the subject of a virgin came up. So her young daughter asked, what's a virgin? So she needed to think quick, obviously, and that's always a fun, those types of questions are always fun ones for parents to try to answer. So thinking very quickly, uh, she said he hasn't had a girlfriend yet, but she was saying she thought that she could have done better. So here was T-O-double-D's brilliant off-the-cuff answer to that question. So again, she was asked, what's a virgin? I told her my response would have been someone who hails from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, And again, she thought that was absolutely brilliant. I was pretty proud of myself, too. Uh, I thought it was a good one. But again, when when you're a parent and you have young ones... Uh, this stuff kind of comes to you pretty quickly. Yeah, the first couple of times you get caught off guard and you quickly learn you've got to be ready and you've got to be sharp on your toes. Once again, that is the joy of parenting. 2020 has been a year focused on adaptability for sports leagues, teams, and athletes during the midst of this uncertainty. No question about that. Um, sports teams and their athletes Uh, sports leagues and their athletes are adapting to uh, try to have some kind of a semblance of normalness in this pandemic. Uh, The WNBA has taken the 2020 season as an opportunity to explode in growth, which is amazing. And this is what I wanted to spotlight. In a period where viewership is down in a lot of professional sports right now, for many reasons, the WNBA increased their viewership by 68%. That is an amazing statistic. And I think they should be applauded for that. That is a huge bump in viewership for one season. 68% increase in viewership. Here's some other things that the WNBA should be patted on the back for. In April, the WNBA was the first league to host a virtual draft Okay, even before the NFL, WNBA hosted their virtual draft first. In July, they were the first league to dedicate their season to social injustice issues. So they were the first one to kind of step out there and, you know, face whatever came with being the first sports league to tackle social injustice. And they even started the bubble season before the NBA. Another really cool thing for the WNBA this past season, and I do think this is what helped see the spike in numbers, is a lot of the WNBA players 
have been extremely active and vocal through social media to showcase their own personalities, brands, and tapping into major supporters of the league with the Orange Hoodie campaign. So I really, really have to credit everything that the WNBA did this season. It it was a, a tremendous spike in viewership, which when you think about the times right now and everything going on, um, that's huge for the WNBA. I mean, 68%. I can't stress that number enough. That's a huge spike in viewership. Um, and it really, a lot of it, I do believe, goes to the social media presence. I think that was a huge help for them. I mean, you have somebody like Tia Cooper has a, a social impression of 4.1 million people. Uh, Candace Parker... 3.7 million people, uh, Sue Bird, 1.8 million people. Um, it, it's I can just keep going on and on. I mean, I have I have so many here. Lexi Brown of the Minnesota Lynx, 1.5 million uh, social impression. Like they just they did a great job. Skylar Diggins, uh, 1.1 million uh, people social impression. Like that's it. That's the, I mean just fabulous numbers for the WNBA. And I think another thing that kind of gets lost in the shuffle is the way these women went into the bubble and balanced not only their life, but their families as well. Because, you know, and this is always a touchy subject, but for the male athletes, a lot of them, as hard as it was to leave their children, a lot of them were allowed or able to leave their child at home with mom while they went to go play their respective sports, whether it be, you know, football, baseball, basketball, hockey. A lot of these male athletes were able to leave their child home with somebody. For the WNBA, the moms, most most players who were moms, took their children to the bubble with them and balanced that life. So they balanced being a mom and being a professional athlete inside of a bubble think about that think about you know taking your child out of their comfort zone uh and bringing them into this bubble atmosphere and and kind of um exposing them to this kind of new world that we're living in and um you know balancing that and being successful on the court and also being successful at home i mean kudos to these women And, and and i think the other beautiful thing that came out of this was the, if you want to call it sisterhood or whatever you want to call it, but these players did such a great job of, you know, forming a community and forming a bond with each other where they would watch after each other's children um, or they would even, you know, take somebody's child for a little bit just to give mom a break so that, you know, she could do whatever she needed to do. Like, they just did a great job of taking care of each other. And I think those are the things that all attribute to the success of the league and the bump in viewership. Um, So again, I don't think this gets talked about enough, to be quite honest. We focus so much on what the NBA and what the NHL did right. We focus so much on what Major League Baseball and the NFL and college football are doing wrong. We don't talk about the success of the WNBA. We don't talk about how successful that bubble was. We don't talk about how successful these women were. Okay? Not only did they increase, not not only did they increase viewership by 68% and have a huge social media impression. 
throughout this bubble. But they also played quality basketball and continued to raise their families all at the same time. We don't talk about this enough. So I'm just one person. I'm just one guy with a Toddcast. I, I though, felt the need to go ahead and, and kind of shout this from the mountain and just say wonderful job to the WNBA, to everybody involved there, and to all the players in the WNBA on a fabulous season that was just, you know, a challenge and new territory for everyone involved. So kudos to the WNBA. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned on the show before how Jonah enjoys Big City Greens on Disney. And man, we were watching it the other day and I heard one of the funniest one-liners and I was, I literally said to Jonah, I was like, oh my God, he's like, what are you laughing at so much, daddy? And I said, Jonah, that was so funny. I said, I cannot wait to use that on somebody one day. So um, Cricket, who's a little boy in the show, and Tilly, who's his sister, are having a conversation. And I forget which, to be very honest, I forget which asks which the question, but they're asking about birthdays. And they say, I, I believe it's Cricket asked Tilly, when's your birthday? And Tilly's answer is, it's the day I was born. And I laughed my ass off. And I said, oh my God, I cannot wait for somebody to ask me when my birthday is so I can respond with, it's the day I was born. Um, it's just such a great thing. And it just made me laugh so much because it's a great answer because it's not wrong. You're not wrong. And it's a great way to not give information out that you don't want to give out. And the person can't get mad at you because you answered the question, when's your birthday? It was the day I was born. Um, I love this cartoon, though, and it just cracked me up. And it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite jokes. Uh, It wasn't even a joke. It was just one of my favorite lines. Uh, One of my coworkers a few years ago, we were standing around, and he said, um, oh, my girlfriend's going to be bringing me dinner in a little bit. So we were like, okay, cool. So then another coworker who was being nosy was like, who's your girlfriend? And his response to her was, the girl who's bringing me dinner. And I laughed so hard because, again, it's like the birthday thing. You're not wrong. The person can't get mad at you. The person is just being nosy and, and trying to get information, um, you know, by asking that who his girlfriend was. And he said, well, the girl who's bringing me dinner. He's not wrong. That is his girlfriend. The girl who's bringing him dinner is his girlfriend just like when cricket asked tilly when is your birthday and she says the day i was born she's not wrong she's 100 correct we interrupt this regularly scheduled broadcast for breaking news let's go now live to the random thoughts and best regards news desk with our anchor todd t-o-double-d take it away Yes, we have some breaking news. Breaking news just in. Donald Trump still lost. That's right. Donald Trump still lost. I think it's time to ask this question to ourselves. Is the NHL emerging, the National Hockey League, are they emerging as the best ran professional sports league in our country I really think it's time for us to ask that question 
they definitely seem to be at the forefront of handling this pandemic. And Gary Bettman this week brought up another idea for the upcoming season that's being bounced around that I think is sheerly brilliant. And I'm amazed that other sports leagues, (coughs) NFL, haven't gone to because I think it would have solved and alleviated a lot of problems for the NFL had they gone with this plan. Uh, Hey, listen, the NHL had success completing their 2020 season, right? And a large part of that was due to their bubble cities. We talked about this before on Random Thoughts and Best Regards. We talked about the job that the NBA did down in Orlando, and we talked about the job that the NHL did with their two bubble cities up in Canada. With another season set to begin relatively soon, I will add to this, no date has been officially announced yet, the league could end up realigning its teams for the 2020-2021, that's a lot of 20s, season as a result. And I, I mean, I think this is a brilliant idea. Uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman believes that realignment could help ease travel restrictions between the United States and Canada in addition to the mandated quarantine. Other factors being considered for the upcoming season, which will still be heavily affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, so the NHL is well aware that this is not going away anytime soon, are a reduced number of games and temporary hubs. Bettman goes on to say, it may be better, uh, excuse me, it may be that we're better off, particularly if we're playing a reduced schedule, which we're contemplating, keeping it geographically centric and more division based, and realigning again on a temporary basis to deal with the travel issues. Listen to the grown ups in the room at the NHL. This makes sense. This sounds like a man speaking common sense. Something that, let's be quite honest, we haven't heard from other professional sports leagues with the exception of the NBA and the WNBA. The NBA, WNBA, and the NHL are the only ones who are being responsible grown-ups when it comes to running their leagues. And I, I listen, I think this is a great idea. Again, kudos to the NHL. Toronto and Edmonton, the two bubble cities, worked out great last season. And spectacular Stanley Cup playoff format was great. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup. My son loved every minute of it. Um, All good things for the NHL. I love this realignment idea. And I think it, it just makes sense. Like, you don't, you can still have a season even if you're playing reduced games or whatever, but make it make sense. This is one thing that the NFL didn't do. And I think that if the NFL had done this, it would have just made so much more sense. If you just took away the, the divisions and the leagues as, if we know, as we know them and just kind of broke the country up into quadrants and said, okay, you know, you guys are all playing each other. So 
the you know the the, the Patriots, the Jets, the Giants, the Redskins. Um, you know you're gonna play each other. Um, the Falcons, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, uh, the Dolphins, the Saints. You're gonna play each other. You know out out west you're you're gonna have. Uh, Seattle, uh, San Francisco, or uh, Santa Clara, whatever you want to call them, the 49ers, Um, and you know, you're going to have the two LA teams, the Rams and the Chargers and the Raiders, you're going to play each other, you know, on and on in the the Midwest, you know, we're going to have Denver and Kansas City and Chicago and, um, you know, Houston and Dallas, you're going to play each other, like, this just makes so much more sense in compressing the travel and, and kind of keeping things a bit more under control instead of bouncing teams all over you know um, east coast west coast up and down everywhere it just uh, what the nfl and what major league baseball did in a response to the pandemic was trash it was almost nothing they almost did nothing that's why it was trash uh it was just pretty much business as usual for them where again the nba the wnba and the nhl acted like grown-ups and we're seeing this again with the nhl out at the forefront, making smart decisions, protecting their players, protecting their fans, doing all the smart things here. Kudos to the NHL. Kudos to Gary Bettman. The NHL always hasn't had the best reputation, you know, especially a few years ago when they lost their their major national television contracts and there was just a lot of stuff going on. Gary Bettman was not the most liked guy in the room. A lot of people felt he was an incompetent commissioner. Let me tell you, Gary Bettman has resurrected his career as commissioner with his pandemic responses. Between the conclusion, the restart, and the conclusion of last year's uh, season, the 2019-2020 season, was brilliant. And to see the foresight now about, hey, listen, we know COVID is going to be impacting us in the 2020-2021 season. So we need to be proactive, and they are doing just that. I love the idea of regionalizing your divisions, lessen travel, and complete a season and keep your players safe at the same time. Kudos to the NHL. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Before I get out of here, though, for this week, I want to bring in a little guest star and ask him a question. Hey, Joe, come over here, buddy. Yeah. Who's the Stanley Cup champion? Let's go Lightning! Yeah, let's go Lightning. Congratulations, buddy. Enjoy it. All right, so I want to thank everybody again for listening to us this week. Congratulations again to the Tampa Bay Lightning on winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, I want to thank Marvin for joining us and having the conversation about Coach Primetime, Deion Sanders at Jackson State. Uh, Come on back next week. We'll have another great episode for you. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks for listening to my dad's show.